You are listening to Club Elevate on Area 3000 Radio. Club Elevate pays respects to the traditional custodians of the land that this is being broadcasted on in Nam. The show and its guests pay respect to the Wurundjeri people, elders past, present and emerging. Hello again, it's Club Elevate. We are back again for your Friday afternoon. I am your host, Ricky Nord. Wow, what a show we have in store today. I'm feeling really good today, um, really vibing behind the mic. Um, it's been a good day. It's been a busy one. There's so much been happening. Uh, in terms of events, we've had heaps happening. I swear since New Year's, it's just been nonstop. Foot to the floor type stuff. Only accelerate at no breaks. There has been Strawberry Fields, Hopkins Creek, Small Town. Really good to see the festivals be able to bring everyone together and actually hold the festivals. I was a little bit worried there for a while a few months ago that we weren't going to be able to have any. Now look at us, we're itching for a break. Well, I am anyway. I also moved house. Uh, that was pretty stressful, but we're sorted now, I think. I'm uh, up in the big smoke, which is a bit of fun. Anyway, internal monologue aside, thank you to all of you for sending me your music. I love each and every one of you for doing so. It's what makes this show thrive. Uh, So thank you. Keep getting in touch. This episode's track of the month was sent through to me by Stewie, a local Nam DJ who has been very busy on the scene himself. He sent through a new release from another fellow Nam creative who goes by the name of Mr. Dean. The track comes from a two-track EP which was released through Abode, a Nam-based creative label which brings to life the local underground music scene. And without further ado, the track of the month for Club Elevate is 50 Nick Vlad. I absolutely fell in love with this track. It brings about high energy, which is what we're all about here at Club Elevate. It combines strong elements of trance and techno. It has this really spectacular kick and a combination of classy hi-hats and those gorgeous rave stabs, which I don't know if you noticed, but any sort of track that's featured on here normally has these rave stabs in it because I'm drawn to them. So congratulations to Mr. Dean. Definitely one to watch. I'll be playing this one for a long, long time. We have lots to get through today, so I'm not gonna ramble on for too long, but our guest this month is huge, and I was lucky enough to sit down with him for close to an hour. So forgive me, the chat goes a little longer than usual, but I know for a fact that you will all love this episode. You'll notice by the way that we were talking that this chat was actually recorded some time ago. It was about a month ago. I was lucky enough to catch our guest during some downtime when he was out here in Australia playing shows, including pitch music and arts. I know, I was lucky enough to see him twice whilst he was out here. I'm going to stop talking now, but... You may think that the intro to the chat with the guest is on two times speed. I can assure you it's not. Um, I may or may not have been a little bit nervous initially, but you'll see that the guest is such a legend and super warm and friendly. So I, uh, I chilled out a little bit, I think. Anyway, let's do it. 
Our guest is a Perth artist who now resides in Berlin, the undisputed capital of techno music. Known for his powerful, relentless energy showcased throughout his heavy-hitting, genre-redefining techno acid and rave, our guest is a frequent occupant on top-class techno lineups globally. He has a string of impressive releases on some of the world's most renowned labels including Possession, Ismus, Lobster Theremin, Ten Pills Mate Crude and The Brutalist, just to name a few. His recent return back to Australia saw him play a number of shows as well as closing the resident advisor stage at Pitch Music and Arts on the Saturday night in a captivating two and a half hour set. I am super excited to be able to sit down with one of the world's best. I'd like to welcome Ed Trelevin, aka Tread, to Club Elevate. Oh, thank you. Wow, what an intro. It's good to be here, mate. Thanks for having me on. Super stoked, um, and I'm sure all of our listeners are too. So, firstly, welcome back to Oz, and it's uh, it's great to sit down with you. We're just chatting before. It's so nice that you're back in Perth visiting the fam. How's that been? Oh, mate, it's been unbelievable. Um, been pretty pretty blessed with the weather it's a very uh very easy autumn sort of uh weather at the moment it's 20 i think it was 27 yesterday in a easterly all day so offshore here in the west and um i was down at the beach and just soaking it all in because it's been pretty gray and uh cold where i've been living uh back in berlin so it's nice to just have some nice chill summer days spend some time with the family my nieces and nephew yeah good good energy good family times definitely yeah uncle tread doing uh school pickups which is nice absolutely um <laughs> how how old are the nieces and nephews? Uh, so I've got one uh, nephew Isaac. He is eight, and the two nieces uh, Audrey and Chloe. They're both uh, six. So um, yeah, they're just Fun ages. Uh, yeah yeah they're just uh, absolute bundles of joy, and they're all like cute and have their own little personalities. And it's so nice just to see them growing into amazing little humans. Yeah, I bet start of their life. It's, yeah, it's cool. totally. So, you obviously come out here and you played a number of shows, including Pitch, which which is where this that uh, where this chat stemmed from. I can't even talk. <laughs> um, but we've got plenty to talk about. We'll talk about Pitch in a little bit. I want to go back, and I do it with all of our guests. How did you get into music in the first place? What actually? What time frame was it? You know, how long ago was it? Was it a certain event, certain artist? You know, we've had people say it was a certain song that actually got them into it. What was, where did your journey start? Um, well, I've sort of been involved in various kinds of music uh, since quite a young age. I dabbled with the piano for a few years when I was in primary school and then played the drums and bass guitar and the double bass in high school. And, um, from there, just uh, going out and sort of experiencing the, I guess the more, the more o- the open social aspect of uh, electronic music club culture versus more like bars and beer drinking culture. Yeah, um, yeah and then uh, my first uh, first big event of memory was uh, Armin van Buren. Uh, oh, sick. At one of the big clubs here, Metropolis, uh, in the city, and that was, um, you know, you dabbling with like trying ecstasy for the first time and the empathy and the sort of the 
um, the whole sort of unity and like you know the peace, love, unity, respect sort of energy that goes along with sort of that side of uh, the culture. And uh, you know, after that, I sort of didn't turn back. I was going to a lot of trance gigs uh, for a few years, and then started dabbling, playing with friends. Uh, uh, turntable like CDJs back then um, at after parties and yeah just sort of realised that I really liked uh, creating narratives by stringing uh, tracks together so that was uh, I guess the natural progression from there yeah it's really interesting it, it's you always remember your first like big big event like slash gig that you went to um, I know yeah. that I definitely know what you're yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. so um yeah. then from there i guess you you began you know playing and, and stringing together a narrative as you said and that's a really good way to put it is it true that you uh were throwing warehouse raves in perth a bit later on how, how did all that come about yeah so um 2013 um it just so happened that me and three close friends we um were all sort of the same sort of uh, uh, intersection of life where we decided to have a summer of summer of freedom and love over in uh, in Berlin and we went there and um, you know experienced proper you know well, I mean I wouldn't say proper techno culture but we experienced a different type of techno culture mm-hmm. over there um, you know the hedonism that goes along with Berlin and uh, the melting pot of culture because there's just so many people from so many different walks of lives and privileges there it's pretty beautiful and uh coming back after the six months that i lived there in 2013 uh, me and uh, my best friend gabriel we uh really wanted to sort of capture the energy that we experienced at different uh techno events there so we launched a, a party series called polyrhythmic and uh uh, unfortunately, uh, Perth is pretty limited with the sort of the venues that can really cater for that. There's only, you know, a handful. Um, so we focused more on doing more off-location things. So um, took some time, really, and some, you know, just started from the started from the start, quite small, couple hundred people, up until, you know, I think a few of our events were eight, nine hundred people. And and we were, you know, we were going door to door in warehouse areas on all the uh, places uh, for for rent or for lease and just saying, look, do you want to earn some money for giving us the keys to your place for 24 hours? (laughs) Uh, We'll we'll clean it after, we'll look after it. But um, most people just shut the door in our face. But, you know, there was was a few that were up for it. And, um, yeah, we did a couple of really, like, really stonking parties and we sort of would have the keys for 24 hours so we'd bump the bump the speakers in um <laughs> through the rave and then bump the speakers out in in that God. time and it was it was pretty wild but uh that is yeah. wild because yeah. oh, i was yeah because when obviously you know the narrative with warehouse raves is a lot of them are illegal but i'm like that you actually answered my question i always think how the hell did they actually get the warehouse in the first place because like I don't know. I always drive past warehouses um, down in Geelong at the moment at my parents' house. There's mm-hmm. a fair few warehouses just near here, and I always drive past. I'm like, fuck, it'd be so sick to throw a rave in there. So you actually went door to door and just like literally, that well, is so funny. I mean, you don't, you know, you, you don't, you don't ask, you don't get. So I mean, yeah, that's true. More, that's more true. often than not, would wouldn't really approach uh, like real estate agents because they were just like, 
you know, they, mm. they, they wouldn't have any idea. We'd normally look for, you know, the hand-painted for-rent signs and, like, just the, the owner, uh, you know, owner-operated places and these guys were usually yeah. just, like, you know, old battle axes from the, from the 70s or 80s <laughs> and they'd seen it all and, you know, we'd throw some hard cash at them and... Uh, I mean, the, I remember there was one venue we did we did three raves in three weeks because after the first one, the guy came in after and he's like, "I've never seen my apartment so oh sorry my warehouse so clean." Um, do you want to oh. do you want to do another one next week? We're like, "Yeah, sure, why not?" So sure. we ended up doing. <laughs> and on the third week, it was actually quite close to. Uh, it was right in the heart of the it was in the heart of the city, and uh, it was quite close to a cop shop. And on the third week, the cops finally cottoned onto it. Um, <laughs> But they were, they were actually quite chill. The the, the police, uh, we, we try to do it as as legitimate as an illegal party can be. So we would have a, we'd have exit signs, we'd have water awareness team, uh, oh, cool. we'd have like we'd have um, you know a couple of off duty security dudes that we knew from like the clubs just come down and like just make sure everything was legit. It was you know and we we like we we never had any problems and it, like you know we're pretty pretty selective with who would let in as well but uh yeah um the co- like, I, I remember on the third week the cops came in and they were so blown away that we'd managed to set this up in 24 hours yeah, and yeah, uh all like and um he tore up the he tore up the note and said oh if the police come back again then that will be your first uh first defense for the night so that was quite nice but yeah. um yeah so the cops are impressed that's when you know yeah. it's a good party yeah, yeah. There's, there's a few good ones out there between all the other fuckwits. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of cops actually tune into this station, mate. So you got uh, some heat. You'll have some heat on uh, you. Well, like, <laughs> sitting like, out there, yeah, sitting out there the on their highway patrol, listening to the show. That's what uh, they do. Yeah. Oh, I've seen it. Shout out to all the good ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's actually um. Particularly over the last 12 months, it's been a pretty epic illegal rave culture in Melbourne. Um, the Ute guys actually played at one, which I went to underneath the Westgate Bridge, like Mikkel Rev and On Former. Yeah, um, yeah, with the, that was the Al Group dudes, right? I'm quite yeah. good with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, those, those raves are just like so sick. Like yeah, going yeah, to yeah. those is just unreal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, me and my girlfriend went with a few friends and like just, it's just almost the atmosphere of it underneath the bridge like it was on like a relatively clear night they brought in like mm. function one sound system um and the place is just pumping and the crowd just yeah. like so into it it's sick the energy i mean it really there. it really does capture that you know that sort of nostalgic uh energy of you know the raves of yesteryear um mm. you know from the sort of watching videos of these old old like love parade parties and the yeah, after parties exactly. that they used to throw from that and you know reading books about how how sort of berlin came to be through all of the sort of illegal parties that they were doing in the early 90s it's you know it's nice to see uh crews you know around the world still like flying that flag it's yeah it's, i don't think it's a i don't think it's something that we should ever lose because at the end of the day before it became so commercialized it was it was purely diy and blood mm. pretty political and i think as more money and more awareness through social media comes into this it can be can convolute the sort of the pure energy of it a little bit yeah yeah exactly and i guess social Mm. media can be a really powerful tool especially in this space um but i want to move on touching back on berlin so 
you've throwing these warehouse rave parties. You're playing at them, I assume, as well yourself. So yeah, I was I was a re- I was a resident. So that's sort of where I, uh, you know, having come back from Berlin, uh, you know, at the time there were some good promoters in in Perth, but no one really doing sort of rougher techno mm. stuff yeah. so and beca- because of that and because i was doing a lot of fifo work uh in the mines it was really hard for me to line up any gigs so i the only way i was really playing was like just being a resident of my own party yeah, yeah um cool. but you know it was a good experience because you know you're playing openings you're playing closings sometimes back to backs whatever and yeah, like that's, a bit of freedom with it yeah. Well, I just like that's where I sort of took my my the, my the art of my DJing to sort of let the next level, and you know you get to really know your records, uh, get to really know how to like have that sort of push and pull, or that like you know tension and release uh, that you, that I think is, is important when it comes to DJing. Definitely, yeah. Building a bit more of a story um, behind each set, kind of thing. Um, I think that's yeah, yeah, very important. So, mm. you obviously went to Berlin. You've come back. How did you? When did you make the move to Berlin? And like, how did that kind of come about? So, uh, the production kind of just stemmed out of, I wouldn't say laziness, but you know, maybe just lack of uh, wanting to spend so long digging for certain music so I mean I'm I I consider myself to be a DJ first and foremost it's that was like I really I enjoy the performative aspect of it I enjoy having this conversation with the crowd sometimes your energies can be on different levels and it's important to be able to have that sort of symbiotic relationship between the crowd um Mm. but the production stemmed from uh not wanting to spend so much time looking for certain music to bridge between moods. So I kind of just had this thought that if I can just get to a point with my productions where I can just make the tracks that, you know, fill the gaps in my DJ sets, then um, mm-hmm. then that would be, a, you know, more f- like more enjoyable, more fulfilling and, um, you know, easier than sort of spending hours and hours on Discogs or uh, Bandcamp or whatever, like uh, searching for that elusive trap. Yeah, yeah, and um, And get it in the mail and it's warped, which we've had a few times. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, totally. Um, And I guess... No offense, Bandcamp and Discogs. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) We we still love you. absolutely. No shade, no shade. Um, (laughs) But uh, I guess having spent... Uh, at that point a number of years throwing these uh, parties and getting uh, uh, more sort of entrenched in the scene on like a national and international level getting to know international bookers and artists and all this um, I just came to a point where I just uh, felt that my aspirations were just growing a little, like my personal aspirations in regards to like my personal DJing and and what I wanted to achieve were kind of reaching the limits of what I could do in Perth just purely because of the numbers game and like the depth in the scene. Unfortunately, you know, we don't have, you know, 20,000 people that we can call on to like bring into some of these parties uh, as, as much as... Um, you know, I think a lot of kids that are listening to 
electronic music maybe into this pocket of the scene that it's you know um it's just it's it's still like a bit of a hard sell and you have to be quite selective um Mm. so um i just once the seed kind of sort of got planted of like what if what if what what could i what could how far could i take it what could i what could i achieve over over in sort of the the biggest pool of talent in the world and mm. i guess once that seed's planted you can't really unplant that seed right it's um no, correct, correct um i'd ha- keep giving it water yeah well it's just like you know i'd hate to be you know if i'd chosen the safe option of staying here and working in a pretty successful uh job as a, a, a mobile diesel mechanic for caterpillar um you know, I was, I was very financially secure here. Life was good. It was comfortable. But if I'd sort of stayed in that and then been on my deathbed when I was 70, 80, 90, whatever, and gone, hmm, I wonder what would have happened if I'd actually uh, uh, taken that route instead. Like, that would probably be a really sad thing to think about on your deathbed. So mm. I kind of just, like, YOLO'd it and... Uh, <laughs> sent it sent it over to Berlin. Um Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's sick. It's so cool. It's funny like those decisions, like those like life changing decisions, like at the time, like you obviously kinda understand that they're significant, but it's not until you like look back on it, you're like, fuck, like that was very significant, obviously. Like look at where you are now. And yeah. obviously, you know, it hasn't just come overnight. You've gone over there and obviously worked works super hard um and you know berlin's a cool place as well so you you know i'm sure you've met so many people over there um you've made a lot of friends yeah. particularly in the industry out of the industry where whereabouts in berlin do you live uh, i live on uh i'm just actually about to move apartments i've been uh on zonen alley in neukern and i'm moving actually just down the road still on zonen alley but just moving into my own my own place a little uh little 45 square meter uh old bow which is like an old building uh it's like a, i think the building was made in 1900 or 1902 so beautiful four meter wow. four meter high ceilings um oh, yeah it's 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 cute it's a, on the first floor above a, a turkish supermarket and a very noisy intersection which suits me fine because i won't ever have to worry about noise um yeah 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 that was, that was my next question hopefully you've got good neighbors yeah, but yeah. Oh, i mean sure I'm, they're very accustomed i'm yet to meet them so uh yeah. hopefully there's no issue but i've also i've built a, i've got 21 base traps or like broadband absorbers that I have that I had set up in my old uh, oh, cool. house uh, or old apartment and they do a pretty good job at like keeping the sound pretty isolated and also your room sounding pretty good <laughs> so yeah 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 um, definitely oh, that's very exciting mm, mm, uh, that's going to be sick yeah I mean Berlin is a pretty pretty magical place um, I was you know coming back to uh, what I said before about having sort of building these relationships through all the bookings that I was doing uh, in Perth, uh, I was quite lucky to sort of have a small but like quite a nice circle of friends that I'd made from building sort of like a pers- like a business relationship and also from friends that I'd made previously from visiting there and living there. So I think that was pretty uh, like a key factor in making the decision i probably would have thought a bit harder about it if i hadn't known anyone because it would have been like Mm. obviously a bit bit more of a step into the unknown 
So I did kind of feel like I had a bit of a a bit of a blanket, like it's just a safety net with people. So I'd got there yeah. and just like you know you weren't just like on your own. Um, yeah. So yeah, it would, which would have been very daunting. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, if if that was the case. So yeah, that's awesome. Mm. Um, and you obviously then most of those crew are they like your your core friendship group now over there? Yeah, I, I mean Berlin's like a pretty transient city anyway, and um, as I suppose as it's been almost six years since I've been like since I made the move and uh, you know friends uh, evolved there's been some that have moved away for various reasons COVID was a, yeah. a pretty polarizing time with that and it caused a lot of people to really uh, think about what was valuable to them and other people wanted to spend more time with family because they couldn't get home for whatever mm. reasons and restrictions um but yeah i'd say that uh like my core core friends has remained the same and I'm, I'm very lucky to have you know invited a lot more uh beautiful souls into my into my life uh through you know the shared experience of of electronic rave music <laughs> and uh, <laughs> oh, uh, but yeah it's you know it's uh, right, even mate. if you even if you have a fleeting interest uh, in sort of club culture and, and electronic music in in Berlin, you really do like sort of like the base level of people. Like it's crazy. You the people want to be like, oh, I'm not that into techno, but then when they listen to techno, it's like 140 steamers. Yeah, like, <laughs> and they're absolutely loving it. Nine times out of ten, it's pretty rare yeah, that you yeah, take exactly. something to a club. I took like some friends. No, I took it was my first time going to Trezor, mm. um, mm. but who weren't so much into you know the techno scene or the techno music, and like just couldn't believe it because a the music's sick, and that firstly that trip that was back in 2016, I kind of like opened up my eyes to as you said the another world of electronic music not so much you know people obviously say it's like superior techno than the rest it's of the world it's, it's just a, a different energy it's correct it's just a different energy and it's nothing it's just there's no no way like it um around although mm. there i did see a uh, video of you playing uh i think it was in paris that rave and you're like up there behind the turntables with this shirt off just going like so hard the crowd is just like crazy what was it like playing at like something like that yeah, so that party was mess. Um, very, very, very big queer party. Um, kind of similar vibes. They're like all. They're not really based at any one spot. They usually just uh, get these uh, huge warehouse spaces. And you know, uh, this is what I mean with the depth in the scene. Like they're kind of doing the the same cap, sort of the same have the same ideology as what we're doing in Perth, but because instead of getting you know, 500, 600 people, they're getting five and a half, six and a half thousand. Wow. So they have like budget yeah. that, that night. It was uh, uh, Steph Mendesitis, uh, Meta Rath, and uh, uh, I forget who else. Um, but yeah, that was that was crazy. I, I, I even, I tried to play records uh, on that setup for the first hour and a half, but there was just so many people um, like dancing on the stage and also sweat dripping sweat, from yeah. the sweat dripping from the roof so was, in there. There was there was and the thing is the roof was twenty meters above me, so like you can imagine the heat. I mean I've never played a that was a really intense it was like playing in a sauna essentially. Um, <laughs> but you know, 
that lose is, a few kgs. French, uh, walk out of there the looking French, like cutters. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the French really love it hard. It's a, I've, I've, it's quite interesting because I don't necessarily feel that I have like a f- like I'm fully in line with that I- the identity of techno music. You, you know, you listen to artists like uh, you know what Shlomo's doing now, or like Cassie Raptor, or um, there's a, or or Trim. Like, there's a lot of these artists that are just like playing really hard stuff, and that, that's um, like uh, amazing, and it has it captures a certain energy. But I think me coming from like longer format. DJ sets where you know I like having a bit more of like peaks and troughs rather than just firing missile after missile yeah, um, yeah. into the crowd. Uh, but you know, outside of Berlin, Paris is uh, the place that I get booked most at the moment. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so for whatever reason, they're into my they're into my shit. <laughs> yeah. Join join the club. Join the club. There's a big long line behind Paris as well. I can tell you that much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, going, yeah, going, going back to Berlin. Sorry to interrupt. I just had a no, question no, no, to go ask on. you. Um, do you do you know Gorlitzer Park? In um, of course. Yeah. Do you know the frisbee who, who, guy? The frisbee guy. The no, fris- I don't. Oh, damn it! He's like I actually looked him up the other day because okay. when when we're in um. It was actually after Trezor the next day, we were feeling pretty scattered. And there's this guy in the park, and a lot of people will know what I'm talking about because I've had this conversation with a number of people. Oh, I feel and like I'm missing this, out on a cultural institution. You need to just go down there on like a Saturday morning, and there's this guy who's like an absolute freak. I looked him up, and they've call it, they call him the Frisbee Jesus. And he's this okay. guy, he's just like dude with his like long hair and this is like spins frisbees around all over his hand and just like throws them like so far and like so flat and like just it, they're just so satisfying to watch i just thought you might oh. might know who he is because i thought he might have been well, like berlin folklore to, uh, oh but. well i mean he probably is i've just uh uh too I busy in the lab uh, yeah too busy cooking up techno beats <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> too busy on the grind which which yeah. we can respect yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, just going back to uh, going back to the grind. Actually, mm-hmm. so there's obviously so much hard work in, in in what you do, and we've you know spoken about the journey and everything. But you know, you must have like challenges along the way. Um, what have you found, particularly, you know, whether it's your productions or being on the road, to be you know one of the biggest challenges um, that you found along the way. I know there's probably a few. I mean, I mean, no, I mean, so okay. Like, let's. I'll give you. Uh, I think one of the hardest ones is, uh, you know, and something that I've sort of really learned to be is uh, uh, being aware of what's going on around you in the scene, whilst also trying to remain quite emotional about it. You know, you have a lot of people. It's especially with social media. It's it's really easy to draw comparisons between different artists and uh, and sometimes, especially uh, in the early in the early days of me moving over there and sort of having to reestablish myself, do the networking game. You know, put myself in front of the right promoters, present myself in a way that you know people are into and. Um, and then sort of as you sort of get a bit of momentum with that, um, trying to remain kind of impartial and, you know, just not 
judge yourself with other people and what they're doing because with social media, it's all, you know, it's perceived reality. It's whatever mm. you want the world to see, right? So it's the world through rose-tinted glasses, so to speak. Um, so that's been like a big learning curve. And I guess also just uh, like form forming my sort of social media identity a little bit, which has been something that I didn't really think too much about when I first started doing this, but it's such a such a big part of the scene mm, uh, or big part big part of the sort of big part of the whole you know thing that is electronic music um, I, I guess you know years ago I, I was I had this idea that I you know I try to be what I thought people wanted me to be you know black t-shirt like no smiling no fun it's all serious techno and um, the moment that I kind of uh, shook that uh, energy and just started being more of my authentic self online I think that's when stuff actually started really picking up because you know inherently I've been told quite cheeky by nature and uh, you know I'm very intense human so I wanted that intensity to come across but you know with a big wink you know so um, mm. i guess that's kind of the the idea that i'm forming with this like i want people to you know perceive me as being someone that's very super serious about what i do but i'm also like super cheeky and playful and fun and i hope that sort of can be uh you know dissected from my music um and then i guess with production it's just you know uh, that's a forever learning curve. I, you know, I'm constantly stressing about my mix downs and, uh, like, you know, you've always got to uh, be put looking forward. So if someone's not happy with something, then it's uh, then you just have to look at like what it is that uh, you're not happy with in your mix down. And like, you know, YouTube is such a, a amazing tool for this. You can really find anything about, you know, search on that anything from i don't know like how to how to write an ebm baseline to how to how to uh, build your own transients for kicks i mean you can find anything on there and uh, it's been a really amazing source for me because i am essentially self-taught when it comes to you know i haven't done any like formal uh, like uh, training with electronic music it's just like me fucking around and i kind <laughs> of i kind of say i just like I, I throw shit against the wall until something sticks and sounds good <laughs> so i think uh having spent so many hours pounding the floor and i know I know what I like when it comes to music, like when, it, like when it comes to like the music that I play and it seems to be, you know, like enjoyable for other people. So I just sort of do everything by ear. And when I go, all right, that's, you know, that sounds like something I'd play and something I'd be into, then the job's kind of done. And I just bless and release the tune because otherwise you can end up sitting on something for days, weeks, months and, you, you know, is, is a track ever finished? No, you just have to get it to a point that you're happy with it and then just let it go because otherwise it just like uh, you'll never you'll never get anything finished. I, I like I don't produce music myself, but a lot of my friends do and one of my good friends, um, Larry does. And I watch, you know, the work he puts in and and, and he, he says the same thing. You know, there's always something that you feel you could be doing to a track and then, you know, there's so many times he would have sent me something that's not mixed and mastered down and I'll play it on the decks. So I'm like, oh yeah, it's sick. And then like a week later, he's like, no, nah, hate it, hate it hate it it's shit like I, I'm, I don't I don't like it you know I'm not yeah. happy with this and you know it must be really yeah. hard and and like do you ever get to a point when you're going into your studio and you, you just like lacking inspiration or all the time all the time 
I mean, like inspiration... Writer's block, for want of a better term. I mean, it, inspiration is the hardest... I mean, speaking purely for myself, I think it's one of the hardest things to absolutely capture, you know? Um, I, I've, I've, normally, my inspiration hits at really weird times, and you can, you know, if it's just like a melody or an idea then i'll usually just use like voice memos and i just if i'm out and i'll go oh well, i'd really like to do that or um maybe like, i'll do like doing my own little cheeky edits on like radio bangers or whatever and go oh i hear that and i go oh that could could be good for a for a good little edit or uh or you know recheck this tune i'll set alarm in my phone saying recheck this tune because there was this really cool transition and um yeah i mean when when a sometimes it's a day sometimes it's weeks sometimes it's a month where you just don't comp feel completely uninspired and the you know the one thing that i've sort of found that's really helpful with that is um you know going back to like technical stuff so you know go on youtube and um you know you can be anything from watching someone break down a, a track that they've made or um you know looking for a specific technique um and you'll find as soon as you start watching that you have ableton open you're watching that uh, before you know it you've like, start building something and you might not be have been inspired but because you're doing this sort of technical stuff all of a sudden you've just like you create like a little loop or um you know a melody or a bass line and before you know it you're, you're working on a track yeah, you know? yeah and then from there and then from there once you know once you've sort of started building the momentum, it's, I think the, the best thing that I've learned is just to be pretty uh, like militant with my decision making, be quick, be like sort of instinctive because if you think, sometimes if you think about things too much, you can lose the essence of what you are originally trying to capture. I like that, working on instinct. Yeah. That's, mm. oh yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's how I also, that's how I also DJ. I don't really. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. And as you I said, like you're, you're talking about like the reactions you're getting from the crowd and the, the, the synergy you're kind of, that's unfolding with you, you and the crowd. You don't have mm. time to like overthink things. Like if you're, if you feel that a crowd's going yeah. to work in a certain way to, you know, a certain genre of music that you're thinking of playing, you just got to like roll with it. And especially you, you're playing yeah. on wax. You can't loop on wax. You can't, you can't afford to like loop yeah. and like, scroll on uh scroll on the usb looking for a track <laughs> oh well i mean i'm like i'm not like uh like i'm not like uh strictly wax like I, I always do have usbs in me because you know sometimes i'll have masters of my own that haven't been pressed or um or they're coming out on compilations that aren't getting pressed or i've got friends music that i'd like to play so um you know i play as much vinyl as i can but then sometimes you know you, lim you are limited mm. to a certain degree with like you know how fast you can go with records like most of the the, the records that i brought down to australia they're all sort of like late 90s early 2000s tribal techno stuff and you know at the top of the pitch like they're peaking out at 148 150 mm. and you know sometimes i want to get a bit more freaky get up to like <laughs> 155 160 yeah. depending on like what it is so um i'm not like a I wouldn't say that uh, like I'm so strict with the format. I don't think it's I don't think the format and what you play is 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 irrelevant. You know, yeah. you can you can you can be a vinyl only DJ and be boring as fuck. You can be as like play four CDJs and be running all these loops and be super entertaining. Like, mm. I don't think it's necessarily based so much around the format. I enjoy playing vinyl because it's 
the selfish pleasure. I like the tangible nature of it. The tact, like, I guess coming from my drumming background, it's more physical. Um, you have to be obviously a bit more switched on because it's not like just like matching the numbers on a CDJ and hitting play. Um, so, you know, you always feel like you're sort of, I call it like walking a tightrope. I'm like, it's like a constant balancing act, like with the vinyl. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, I get the, with it, when it comes to my DJ sets, I'll usually plan the first, like first three or four records perhaps. And then from there, it's just like, I'll see what the crowd's mm. up for so, yeah, and go from there. Yeah, yeah. yeah good yeah, way yeah. to be, it's a good way to be for sure. Um, going, Back to your production. I'm just conscious of time. Sorry to uh, kind of divert yeah, yeah. the combo. All good, all good. Um, yeah, I want to yeah. talk a little bit about uh, one of your releases. So on Lobster Theorem, when you released I'm Not Like Other People. Mm-hmm. Really, really mm-hmm. sick EP, firstly. Congratulations. It's really, really Thank cool. Thank you. Um, particularly, I really loved um, Don't Need a Thing. Um, the tra- mm-hmm. I think it's a, maybe the second last track or the... Um, mm-hmm. It's a, it's the A uh, the B two yeah, I think yeah yeah, yeah. Um, like I think the EP as a whole it kind of just like progresses really nicely and then becomes you know quite emotional towards the end which you know I really love and I love the thank kind you, of thank you. melodic uh, nature that's as part of that EP talk to us about that like how was that one that you sat on for a while or. Uh, did, was that um, like more instinct, instinctive as you've spoken about? Uh, I, uh, those, uh, those tracks all came together from memory, uh, in a relatively short amount of time. I was speaking like old friends with Jimmy Asquith. We used to book him for a few of our parties down here. So we've had a, you know, pretty, uh, fluid conversation. We chat quite regularly and, um, I had... I had 10, I had 10 tracks. Uh, he was asking me, uh, like, you know, about my music production. I just said, wrapped up these 10 tracks and I sent them to, sent them to him and he basically just took them all. So the first, uh, the first five he wanted were for the 10 pills mate release. And the, and the second one, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. was for the lobster theremin release. And, um, the the schedule for it was pretty quick so um at that point i didn't have like a fully sound treated studio um so the first release i actually and because he wanted to like uh, flip the um 10 pills mate release out quite quickly i ended up uh, doing sort of like my best with the stem mixing but i wasn't really happy with a bit, few of the elements and i sort of felt a bit out of my depth so um we i got the those tracks actually finalized like the stems mixed down by uh ted uh, d dan who did an absolutely amazing job and um they hit really hard yeah shout out shout to out. ted a lovely dude um and the second one i was had a bit more time i like at, at that point had uh uh, I finished building all my uh, sound insulation in uh, in my room, and uh, I spent like a good good month and a half just like really sort of studying some product, uh, sort of mixing techniques and doing a read up, and yeah, that's how they all came apart, came around. So yeah, it's uh, it was a fun little thing, and I've been asked to do a couple more actually. So we see where that goes. Wow. Yeah. 
Bit on the horizon. Yeah. Much to look forward yeah. to. I stupidly listened to it. Um, when I say stupidly, I listened to it too late um, at night. Uh-huh. And I have a pretty strict rule that I don't like to listen to like techno or upbeat music at past like eight. I'm the same. Because otherwise I'm I just same. go to bed. I just go to yeah. bed like so riled up and I listened to it. I listen, I re-listened to it like two nights ago and my housemate was working late and he's like, I'm like, what are you listening to? He's like, oh yeah, I'm listening to like this mix or whatever. I was like, oh, put on this EP and it was uh, on like other people EP and wow. he loved it as well. So, um, no, but seriously, congratulations on all of all of your releases. They're unreal. Oh, and thank you, mate. Thank looking you. forward to um, to all the ones coming forward um, on all the amazing labels. So, um, so yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a stay tuned. There's some interesting stuff coming up. Can't wait to share it all. Super pumped for that. Um, so you obviously come out to Australia and you played a number of shows, but let's talk about pitch. Mm-hmm. How is pitch for you? Have you have you been to a do- bush door? Yeah, I've, um, you might sound like a stupid question. Yeah, I've done. Uh, I've been to Strawberry before. I've done Subsonic. Um, done some ones over here in Perth as well, um, and done like some some Euro doofs as well. Um, ah, cool. Yeah, so I, I would say that I was like I wouldn't I wasn't like a. Uh, like a complete rookie, but definitely not like uh, a seasoned, a seasoned doofer. Um, <laughs> but it was, it, was no, an, could, it was an amazing experience. Yeah, because it was yeah. the reason I asked that is because like I wasn't sure like you know what your timeline was when you moved over to Berlin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know whether you've been to them before, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, Pitch was amazing, wasn't it? It was definitely um, for me um, my favorite one. Um, but yeah, thank you, you. Thank when, you. <laughs> when did you when did you get there? Did you get there? Uh, so I was there on the Friday. So um, I had a couple friends uh, basically owning the the RA stage. So uh, Paul, DJ Spit, Dina, uh, very yeah, good friend true, of mine, true. and uh, Ali and uh, Adam Omran. Um, they basically took the stage down from from about 10 p.m. onwards, and uh, that so was that was amazing. It was nice to you know Paul has a very sick, uh, distinctive style of doing some pretty glitchy sort of bass music infused with techno, electro. He's a bit of a licorice all sorts when it comes to DJing, and I love that. Um, and Dina did her little psytrancey hybrid techno vibe that she's like so amazing at. And then, you know, Ali and Omran brought it home with just like straight up pounders. And um, yeah. that was my sort of my off duty night. So I let my hair down and had a had a good old stomp and caught up with yeah. a lot of old friends. Um, nice. And then I was just That's- like just cruising through Saturday. It was a it's pretty hot, pretty early, so I couldn't really sleep in the tent that long. I, didn't get as much sleep as I thought I would, which was a bit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you would have been in the glamping tent. Yeah, yeah I was. Yeah, I was. They were good. They were good. Yeah, Although, they were amazing. Yeah. They were amazing. They, but it was, just such, were, a be- it was oh. just such a beautiful day on Saturday that I didn't want to spend it sort of trying to sleep until eleven o'clock. So as soon as the sun was up, I was out and uh, annoying your girlfriend at the artist area. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, she said you were great to deal with, which is good. She she had a great time. She um yeah. she loved it. She's just wrapping yeah. up her shout out to her. She's been working super hard. So Yeah, um, uh, to the whole team. The shout out to the whole team, like Monty and the rest of the crew. Um, you know, made my time there really lovely and um, you know, it's so amazing to be able to see something of that caliber with so much depth in in music as well you know you had artists from ireland you know the states europe um mm, is kind of like you know i mean it's always unfair to draw comparisons but it's kind of like a like a mini deck mantle and like that's kind of the sort of the music identity that i sort of closely draw it with and yeah it was lovely it was such a wicked experience yeah it was it was it was awesome i um I had a ball. Um, I like don't want to fanboy too much. Your set was my favourite. <laughs> Ella and I went and watched it. Um, it was that. Uh, what is that? That uh, salsa, the salsa track that you played uh, on. Uh, hardcore salsa. Yeah, uh, yeah. Really classic uh, hard yeah. techno, hard sort of hard tribal techno track that recently so got repressed. Sick. I mean, oh. shout out to my friend Kieran. Uh, he actually bought that for me, uh, that record for me for my birthday, and it hasn't hasn't left my crate since. It's been, <laughs> Great you know, reason. it's you know pretty much like a staple of my sets for the last six months. I probably should put it in my in my uh, uh, on the shelf for a while just to let it simmer because uh, I've, I've been playing the absolute like life out of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah understandably though um, yeah. especially with records I think that they're very sentimental and especially if it's given to you as a birthday present you know by a dear friend, um, why not just keep it in the crate? Yeah, know? absolutely, and absolutely. And it's and it's a, and it's a banger. Like, oh, totally. You know, it's a win-win, really. Yeah, I mean, it's um, a, it's a like, like, you know, I love these tracks that are powerful, but you know, still have a nice positive energy to it. You know, um, mm-hmm. I think there's a you know, such a a trend at the moment of playing really stark you know, screaming synths, pounding music. And I don't necessarily feel that like fast, hard music necessarily always needs to be, have that perceived energy. You can still have like fun, party, sexy energy. And I guess that's kind of the, the, what I want to, uh, like, uh, I want to take in and with my own. So I guess that's the identity I have when I'm playing fast, fun mm. and sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Explains the Fergalicious remix that you yeah, as well. Totally, totally. <laughs> yeah, uh, it just like that. Like after hearing that, like it just like the the lyrics just like were in my head for like weeks afterwards. Like the end. Obviously, the track ID got posted somewhere. Um, yeah. Oh, I yeah, got so I got so many messages about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was sick. It's just like so. I said it to my sister who. Um, like isn't really into techno music and she's like oh my god this like Fergalicious remix is sick who is this I'm like oh funnily enough I'm interviewing the gentleman uh, in a couple of days so oh, nice nice <laughs> yeah. um thank you you've been so generous with your time but oh, let's talk pleasure. lastly about what's on the agenda for you I saw that you're heading over to from obviously you got one last show in Australia which two, Ella uh, two, and I two, two shows two, so I've got one two. Uh, yep I'm playing Mary's Underground in Sydney oh, uh, in Saturday on Saturday and then uh, 24 Moons with the Static Crew on the Friday and that's my last weekend in, in this fair country for a little bit which is kind of like 
bittersweet, you know. I've got a lot of things happening over in Europe, but, you know, it's always sad to say goodbye to my yeah. home country. Definitely, definitely. Um, but hopefully we'll be able to catch up um, at the 24 Moons gig because Ella yeah, and I absolutely. come and watch. It's Ella's birthday too, so I was like, Ew. we're definitely going to watch. We'll go watch Ed for, one last, for his one last role. Um, well, I'll, but, I'll, do, I'll do my best to entertain. <laughs> yeah, possibly get a happy birthday going. Yeah, totally. I'll, I'll, download, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do a donk edit of happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it sounds good. Um, but quickly, over in Europe, so you're going over to London. Is that with Blue Hour, playing alongside Blue Hour? Yep, and, uh, yep so Blue Hour and Visadale, who's a yeah. good friend of mine, Naja, big ups. Um, that's I didn't know for, how to say her name. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I say Visadale, but a lot of the people say Visadale. I don't know. You know, it is what it is. I don't think she's too, <laughs> she, she's not too concerned, but uh, she's a wicked, wicked DJ um, and a lovely, lovely girl. Um, so that's uh, for a really cool queer collective called Tech Couture at a venue in South London, MOT, um, which I've heard really good things about. So, um, and that's also my debut in London. So wow. fin- finally very... making it to the, you know, to that part of the world. Yeah, that'd be sick. And, um, and then how long are you there for? Are you playing just one show or are you playing multiple? Yeah, so I've got uh, just one show in London that weekend and I'll probably spend the weekend there because one of my best friends, Conley, uh, recently moved over there, so it'd be nice to spend a little bit of time with him and maybe just eat some nice food and see see a few of the sights because that'll be my first time spending some like proper proper time in London. Um, and then after that, um, you're playing well with Julian Muller, aren't you? Yeah, uh, playing with yeah. him at uh, Is that back the- in back in berlin yeah, yeah that's for may day so uh, may 1st is a really big uh uh historical day it's kind of essentially like labor day workers day um yeah. comes from pretty uh like anarchist roots like tech like uh, traditionally it was pretty pretty crazy a lot of protests a lot of uh anti-establishment protests uh anti-fascist as stemming from like the squatting culture and people just uh you know trying to shake the shackles of the of the machine um but it's in the last few years it's tamed up a bit now it just seems to be like a a day where people throw raves and i'm doing a doing a there's a big 24-hour party for ismus and huge it's actually a ridiculous lineup random is also on the lineup um uh, I mean, I could, uh, there's uh, too many to list, could, but there's could like... Go up, could go yeah, on. I might fly yeah, yeah. over for it. <laughs> <laughs> do it, do it. <laughs> worth it. That, that sounds sick. So, yeah. um, super exciting for you. Plenty on the horizon. I, um, mm. But yeah, just want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule. I know it's been um, hectic for you, um, but also nice to kind of get back to Perth and have some R&R and spend some yeah, time yeah, totally. as Uncle Absolutely. Tread and, and yeah. see the fam, which is Uncle cool. T, Uncle T. Uncle, <laughs> Uncle T. Um, but Ed, it's been so nice sitting down with you and um, yeah, thank you so much for your time. Uh, my pleasure, hopefully man. Link Likewise. Up, hopefully link up on uh, on April the 1st. Yeah, um, definitely, definitely. But, um, I would love yeah, that. Thanks so much for coming on, uh, on Club Elevate. It's been an absolute pleasure. Cheers, mate. Much love. 
there you have it that was tread so sick to sit down with him a super nice guy we got to catch up after his show in melbourne which he played for the crew down at static at 24 moons in northcote played for four hours and it was an absolute masterclass. super sick to see him spin wax and play from the usbs chopping and changing changing genres going super hard the whole night from start to finish I had so much fun during the set and I had so much fun during the chat. It was really special, a big highlight for me. Let's get into some music now. Unfortunately, Tread wasn't able to record a set. Very, very busy man. He was actually moving apartments as I think he mentioned during the chat. So that made things a little bit hard, but we're hoping to get some of his live set recorded, um, but the recorder malfunctioned, which was shattering news. However, you're gonna hear an hour of power from myself, which was inspired by the harder, faster side of music that Tread likes to rinse. It also has many tracks in it, which were submitted to the show by you all. So keep sending them through. Keep an ear out for 50 Nick Vlad by Mr. Dean, which was the track of the month. It was released on Abode label as part of his Everything But The Rain EP. I think I actually forgot to mention the EP name when I announced the track of the month. So apologies for that. Let's get onto the mix. This mix is gonna be full of driving techno and trance from artists such as Alpha Tracks, O Professional, DJ Ali, uh, and MRD. Been vibing a lot of their stuff lately. Keep an ear out for a track sent through to me from Disc Pig. It's called Return to Naz. I think it's about five tracks in. It's really, really cool. Comes in pretty hard. Super well produced, one to watch there. Big ups to him for sending that through to me. He's been in touch with the show a number of times. It's what we want from our community. It's great. So keep it up. Thank you to you, Riley. Keep an ear out for track of the month, 50 Nick Vlad by Mr. Dean. It's a banger. Goes really hard. I heard it a couple of times on the weekend when I was out and about. So big ups to him. Another one to watch in the scene. Nam is killing it, Loki. Had heaps of fun recording this one in my new house. Some big news on the recording front. Stay tuned for that one. I'm not going to give away any spoilers, but it is massive. Very exciting. Enjoy this one. Turn it up. Happy Friday. You're listening to Club Elevate on Area 3000 Radio. (laughs) 